Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 29 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks for listening today. Today I have a really great interview with Laura Allery. Laura is a children's author and she writes really fantastic books actually. Um, they are primarily picture books, but uh, they are really for kind of uh, slightly older readers. So they're good for parents to read to younger children, but they're also really good for like seven to nine year olds, seven to ten year olds to be able to read on their own. Um, and some of the illustrations she's got, she's got a fan- fantastic illustrator she works with. Uh, so anyway, I recommend her books go and and find them and i hope you enjoy this interview as well laura has a new book out which we talk about a lot in the interview and it's called look exclamation mark look a child's guide to advent and christmas and uh, we talk a bit of in the in the interview about how there isn't actually a ton of stuff out there for uh, for kids for Advent. There's lots of activity books and things like that and, and ideas of things they can do, but there aren't necessarily good stories that revolve around the Advent season. Uh, obviously, lots of stuff that kind of just look at Christmas. Um, so this is a really interesting book, and uh, and I, I want to recommend it to you. Now, you might think, oh my goodness, why are we talking about Advent in October? Um and uh, part of that is just uh, because uh, Laura's book just came out, and uh, if you were interested in getting it, now is the time to think about ordering and getting those things ready. Uh, I, I know it seems early, but uh, but maybe uh, you know in about five weeks you're gonna you're gonna want it. So uh, it's worth checking out right now. Uh, and uh, and going and finding that book because it's really great. So we talk about a bunch of other things uh, besides Advent, but we do talk about Advent and how to you know what it's like to mark Advent as families. We talk about spiritual practices in families and what that might look like, um, and uh, it's just a great conversation. So I I'm, I'm sure you're going to enjoy that. Uh, I know for a while, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you've heard me talk about. Uh, Patreon, uh, which is a third-party website that allows you to be able to support the podcast uh, financially to help me be able to get a new microphone. I've been talking about this for months now. Um, And uh, also to help pay for the hosting costs and that kind of thing. It's not major costs, but there are costs involved in keeping the podcast going. So any way that you can help out and support uh, is greatly appreciated. There are a couple of supporters, and I've just made some changes to the Patreon page. So if you've been there before and thought, oh, I don't know, it might be good to just go back and, and check it out. 
we used to I used to have a, a way for people to support on a per episode basis. Um, but that meant that if you were supporting even at the lowest level, even if you were giving a dollar per episode, that could add up to four or five dollars a month. So I've decided to change that now to only uh, supporting on a monthly basis. So it means that regardless of what how many podcast episodes are going on in a month, whether it's four or five, or if I do bonus ones and it's seven or something like that, you would still just have the same monthly uh, amount that you are supporting at. So you can go and support for as little as $2 per month, which is really low um, and uh, and pretty easy to do, right? So think about how much you're spending on your coffee today. Um, you, can, you can spend even less in an entire month and support the podcast. And uh, if you support at some of the higher levels, uh, there are some nice little rewards that you might get, like uh, beautiful... Uh, thank you card that my wife makes beautiful cards. So you get one of those uh, from me, really from her, I guess. And, uh, and at some of the higher levels, things like getting uh, free paperback copies of some of my books. So if you want to go and check that out, I would love it. Just go to patreon.com. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Matthew Bruff. M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-R-O-U-G-H. Or you can always go to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. And today's episode is spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Laura, L-A-U-R-A. And uh, you can always find there's a link on all of the most recent podcast episode pages. Uh, There's a link that just says support this podcast. It's usually down near the bottom. You can just scroll down. And you can also find links for following me on social media and all of that kind of stuff. So feel free to click on those. Okay, I've rambled enough in this intro. Uh, I don't really have too much to update other than to just say I think you're going to love this interview uh, with Laura Allery. So enjoy. Today I have Laura Allery on the podcast. Uh, Welcome, Laura. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, so Laura is a children's author primarily, mm-hmm. um, amongst other things, I'm sure. And we'll get to talk about that. Um, but we want to talk uh, today about uh, some of her books, in particular, a new one that is just out, uh, which is called Look, A Child's Guide to Advent and Christmas. And uh, I guess it's kind of a bit of a follow-up to Make Room, which was A Child's Guide to Lent and Easter. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it is a follow-up. And I wrote it as a companion. Um, in fact, I, I, I'd written and published Make Room and then thought, oh, you know, this seems like a, an obvious next step to take. Um, I naively thought that an Advent book would be easier to write than a Lenten one and quickly discovered that that was not the case. So my first draft was actually rejected by my publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back and um, completely redid it and modeled it quite intentionally after the first book. So there, mm. there's a lot of structural similarities between them. So anyone who um, has read Make Room will be quite uh, quite familiar with the way this book is laid out. Same illustrator as well. Yeah. And what, what ages are the, are the books for primarily? Well, I think um, they're sort of officially aimed at roughly... Um, maybe seven through 10. Uh, There's a lot more text in it and it's longer than your average picture book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, however, it, it it's broken down into sections, so it could work as a read aloud for younger children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, th- there's a fair amount of um, flexibility in how you use it. For instance, I'm working on adapting it right now for our Christmas play for the whole congregation. Oh. So, um, yeah, it can be used in, in small chunks or as a whole. Uh, you could probably use it in um, like a f- sort of family devotions throughout Lent or in a congregational setting. Yeah. 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 And, I've, and I've read it. You graciously were able to give me a, a copy uh, by like a PDF and e-copy, which actually mm-hmm. looked great on the, on the computer. So I know that it's, it's going to look fantastic in print for sure. Um, the illustrations are really beautiful. Too. Yes, they are. And I might add that um, on my publisher's website now, they actually have a feature where anybody can go to that page and see the entire book. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, we'll yeah. provide a I'll provide a link to that. Like I do we'll do show notes for this episode and people can go uh, to the to the link and then and then get over to that and, and check out the book. So okay. is it just for this one or is it for a, for the other one as well? Well, I'm not sure if they've done it from, I mean, they, originally they didn't do it for Make Room. This is a new thing, um, okay. unless they've gone back and, and added it, but I actually haven't checked that. <laughs> but it's kind of a handy feature. I know that when I'm looking at children's books, I, I really want to see more than the first two or three pages. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's really great. Like, I, I know buying stuff for, for my daughter, um, she's getting into chapter books now, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, when we were, when we were buying picture books, I, I, I'd always get it, get in the bookstore and I'd read the entire book. Like it's oh, like, yeah. you know, six books and then decide which one we're going to buy. So that's really nice to be able to do that online. Especially yeah. if that's how you're primarily going to order the book. That's, that's great. And to see the illustrations. Cause as you say, um, Anne Boyajian has done a beautiful job of them. I have, mm-hmm. there's a few in particular that really stand out. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I, I wanted to ask you on, on the show and I'm really glad you came on to the, to the podcast um, because I like talking about uh, spirituality, particularly with reference to, to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had uh, a previous guest, Teresa McDonald Lee, who came on in, uh, very early on. I think she might've been the first guest, even first or second guest. Um, and, uh, she works as a camp director. So we, we talked a lot about kids, but I haven't really talked too much about it. Although it kind of comes up when we've got parents who have, who just do things in their families, mm-hmm. but it's great to have a children's author, uh, on, uh, who can give some insight. And I know like these two books, you've written other ones as well. And, mm-hmm. and I'll, people can find those <laughs> on the, from the website. Um, but if you want to talk about those, you can too, but I'm particularly interested in these two, um, look in particular that's because it's coming up but also because they're about lent and about uh and about advent primarily um and i'm wondering like what is it about the liturgical year like why is this a, a thing and is this appealing to children or why is it appealing to children or maybe why ought it be appealing to children? <laughs> um I'm a huge advocate for the liturgical year or the the circle of the church year, as I sometimes call it. And I do think it's um, a powerful spiritual tool for anybody, but particularly for children. Uh, For one thing, it is or has the potential to be a feast for the senses. I mean, it really engages children on something beyond an intellectual level. There's, there's smells, there's colors, there's tastes, there's, there's so many ways of, um, yeah, just engaging the imagination and, and more of who we are than simply intellect. Um, 
for young children, I mean, the, obviously the, the circle is, um, is very repetitive and rhythmic and there's something um, soothing about that. I think particularly for young children, um, I love how it teaches waiting and anticipation. So during Advent in particular, I always love sitting down with the young children in my congregation on that first Sunday of Advent. And I say, this is a special time. And they go, it's Christmas. And I say, no, it's not, it's not Christmas. No. <laughs> it's not. We're, we're still waiting because we do things differently in the church. We, we, uh, we count time differently. Um, I love the sense that there is a time for everything. Um, I think the, the circle of the church year is a valuable place marker. Um, it kind of provides um, provides a, a useful framework. It makes room for a wide variety of feelings and experiences because it is structured around the story of Jesus. We have these moments of profound grief and sadness as well as um, great joy. Um, and I think that that's essential for for a healthy spirituality for anyone. Children need to have, they need to know that there's a place for all of their feelings and emotions. And I think that the, this, this circle um, helps them understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I use the analogy of this blessing that I sing to my kids um, every night before supper, before supper, before bed, rather. Um, and it's the ironic blessing, basically, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you. And, um, and I sing it no matter what kind of a day we've had. And sometimes I sing it and I'm in tears because there's been some kind of conflict, or sometimes I sing it to a, a child who's balled up under the blankets because she's angry with me. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't matter what the uh, turbulence of the day has been. I sing that blessing to connect us with something that's deeper and more stable underneath it. And for me, that um, the church year calendar, the liturgical cycle, does something similar um, whatever, um, whatever the changing circumstances of our lives are, it's connecting us to the great mysteries of our faith that underlie everything. Um, so, you know, with my kids, I'll, I'll say these, some of these mysteries are uh, God is with us in every place and every time. Every ending is also a new beginning. There's no life or there's no new life without death. Death is never the end of the story. So these kind of great truths are built into that cycle. And as we keep spiraling through them, I just think they, um, yeah, they keep um, becoming a deeper part of us. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think as well, like, I, I know I need reminding that kids, uh, they thrive with, with repetition and, mm-hmm. and, and tradition, really. Yeah. Kids actually even though we might think the opposite, I think kids actually love tradition. Oh, um, for sure. Well, and, whatever, you... and whatever that looks like, right? Yeah. Like, that might not mean you've got the most formal liturgy in your church. Nope. Um, but I just think of, you know, now, like our, our Christmas tree has to be put up at a certain time yeah. or our daughter would not be very happy about that um, yeah. because it's tradition. It's, it has to happen. No, absolutely. There's something reassuring about doing the same things in the same way. Right. Right. Yeah. And even, and I think most parents kind of know this, but they don't necessarily translate this into religious or spiritual life. 
mm-hmm. because our days as parents are uh, have ritual, right? Have yeah. have the pattern, have the same thing happening in the same order every day, and it's not just out of convenience. I don't think it it provides you know comfort and uh, assurance for your children to yeah. know. Oh, okay, I know what's going to happen, and they need that. Yes. Um, and so to have the year structured that way, as well as our days structured, mm-hmm. um, I think is actually really helpful. And and actually, to me, ends up sparking creativity more than if everything was just this total chaos. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. So I need those reminders, too, because I, I really like new things. So I'm always wanting to move on to what the next new thing is. <laughs> I need the reminder that it's good to... Uh, have that order to things. And I think, I think the liturgical year does that. Um, my church is using the narrative lectionary now and not on the revised common lectionary. Okay. I, I don't even know what the narrative lectionary yeah, is. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually really cool. People can, can check it out. Maybe I'll put a link to that as well. In our, in our, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, it still has, it, it basically is, is almost like more of a Sunday school ish type curriculum where it'll go from Genesis to, um, to the birth of Jesus between September and uh, Christmas. Okay, that's uh, interesting because we're using we use children and worship for yeah. our younger children, yeah. and it follows that same pattern. So yeah, yeah we're we're going we're working through Advent yeah. to Christmas, and then we pick up with parables, and then all of a sudden, of course, yeah. Jesus is grown up, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. we're follow, we're following the rest of that cycle through to yeah. Easter. Yeah, yeah, and it. Um, so young, and that's that's children in worship, right? That's children in worship. Yeah. I did that once in the first church where I was a pastor. We had that for one year, and I think then I then I left. But <laughs> um, but it was a really I'm great a trainer for it. So I'm a big advocate it's a for that. Really great program. Yeah, excellent it is. program for kids, um, and and for the leaders involved too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, and then the narrative lection. It's a four year cycle instead of three. So um, and so they give John the Gospel of John gets its own year. Oh, okay. Uh, so from Christmas to Easter, it follows a gospel. Mm-hmm. And then after Easter, it, you get a bit of acts and, um, and it plays around a bit with some okay. of the letters and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been good. But what I find interesting about it as well is that, you know, they haven't really, like, there's still the church year is built into it. So mm-hmm. they still managed to find a way to make Advent work and make Lent work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, and the various seasons and, and Pentecost and things like that. Um, so it's, uh, they've paid attention to that as well as they haven't just kind of thrown it out and say, said, you know, none of this really works. We're going to do our own thing. Um, so I, it's a kind of a different way of looking at the church here too. Uh, yeah, so you kind of started talking a little bit about some of the themes as well. Uh, just a bit of maybe the, the church year themes, but maybe specifically what is in this latest book. Um, like, what do you hope that, that look, and it's look with an exclamation mark. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, like, I don't know if you should say look, uh, <laughs> what do you hope look addresses, uh, or, or what are some of the themes that are, that are particular to this book? Okay, well, to refer back to your previous question then, um, one of the things I'm trying to do with this book is to say, what is the purpose of Advent within the larger context of the liturgical year or the circle of the church year? Um, I I alluded to finding this book more difficult to write than the Lenten one. Um, I think that's because 
when I started to write the Lenten book, I thought, my gosh, this is a hard season for kids. Um, there's all of this imagery and language about death and laying down your life and letting go of your life. And um, so I had to wrestle with that when I was um, writing the book about Lent. And so then I got to Advent and I thought, wow, this is great. Here we are. Anticipation, excitement, looking forward. This is just going to be so easy. And then I hit a wall and realized, no, um, it's not for a number of reasons. First of all, I have no coherent story to work with here. I've got all these little um, fragments from scripture and all of the fragments have to do with people who are in pain <laughs> in some way. Um, and I started to realize that um, even though we often construe Advent as a very joyful time, um, as Walter Brueggemann says, it's, it's rooted in a community of pain. All, all of these um, all of this longing and this expectation is coming from a place of profound dissatisfaction with the way things are and desperately wanting them to be different. So I thought, whoa, okay, this is heavier than I thought, and I'm going to have to find a way to present this for children. I should also say that at the same time, I was dealing with some stuff in my own life. Some things were just not going the way I had envisioned. And um, in particular, my mom had had a series of strokes, which then induced dementia. And I remember I was getting ready. It was sort of, we were entering into Advent and she said to me at one point, um, where is the hope for me? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I need to consider how to answer that question. I need to wrestle with that because we talk about hope usually in terms of a good outcome. Mm -hmm. And here was a situation among, you know, countless in the world where a good outcome is not likely to happen. So how was I going to think about Advent hope in light of what was happening to her and to so many other people? Um, I didn't need to bring that into a children's book, and yet, yet I did because I always try to be truthful about whatever I say and write. And I don't, I don't want to talk down. I, I never talk down or write down to children. So, so here I was, I was thinking, okay, well then what is, what is Advent hope? What is the purpose of this season? And how do I express that in a way that's meaningful for children? And I started thinking, all right, well, when I was a child, I thought of Advent primarily as a past story so we're sort of, you know, we're getting ready for the birth of Jesus, but that happened 2,000 years ago. So we're kind of play acting in a way, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're entering into this very old story. Or there was the future dimension, um, the sort of apocalyptic expectation that wasn't really a part of my own um, church experience, but it, it was there in, in the biblical text. So I had this uh, future aspect and past aspect, and I thought, well, where's the present part of it? So then I was doing more reading on Advent Hope from a variety of authors of a more mystical tradition, and I started to think about um, Advent Hope more as, um, less as a good outcome, and more as a heightened awareness of the presence of God now, in every circumstance. Um, and so then I began to work that into the story I was trying to write for children and thinking, okay, um, 
I think children are going to be able to connect with that because not only are we um, then trying to cultivate this awareness of the presence of God here and now, but then we're also looking for opportunities um, and ways we can be channels or conduits for the spirit and actually make Christ present in the world um, through our own, through our own lives. And I thought, okay, um, that's potentially a very powerful invitation for, for children as well as for adults. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. I'm going all, I'm jumping all over. Yeah, the place. No, it's okay. I, and I, I actually think you do that really well in the book. Like, um, it's, uh, like there's there's depth to the to the book <laughs> and um and I think one of the things that I liked about it is that it tells uh it you have these stories so there's sort of um you know talks about John the Baptist and mm-hmm. talks about uh, the exiles the exile and prophecy that came out of the exile like the Isaiah uh the Isaiah prophecies I think right. is it the Isaiah prophecies that Yep, I use the yes. Okay, yep. I'm not okay. I'm not. I'm no, no, you're not making it okay. up. <laughs> All right, um, and uh, and so it has those as sort of these vignettes mm-hmm. throughout the book, and then obviously it gets to you know Mary mm-hmm. and uh, and eventually to Christmas, right? Jesus' arrival, um, but then in between those those vignettes are kind of inserted with sort of present day you know, what are we doing to mark Advent or to celebrate? Like there's, you know, a girl, a girl and a family that are, you know, they're, they're doing activities. They're, you know, hanging things on a tree and they're, um, you know, there's different things that they're doing and that's, it's all in present tense as well, right. Yeah, uh, which I thought was really good because, and it, so it does that you've got, but even in the vignettes, it's told in a way, I found those were told in a way talking about, and God is with us right now. Mm-hmm. So it's really the idea of God being present all the time is there throughout, even when you're telling the past stories, as well as when you're telling the present. That's right. And I try, and this is where the structure is very similar to the Lenten one. I've tried to interweave this, these biblical stories with the contemporary observance. And as you said, it's all written in the the first person from the point of view of a child. Mm -hmm. So there's a, um, I'm kind of, I want the book to be an invitation. Um, it's not meant to be telling people, okay, this is how you ought to be observing Advent in right. your family. It's more, so here's, here's some of our sacred stories that we've cherished. Um, listen to them. Just wonder about them. Um, I like my writing, especially for children, to, to have a lot of space in it mm-hmm. where children can... Um, engage honestly with these stories now i do kind of um ease in some wondering questions of my own but that's sort of meant to prompt more wondering on the part of the kids um and then even just the first person description of some of the ways this um this child goes about observing the season those are meant to be an invitation too you know here's here's what here's what somebody else does um what might we do yeah yeah, and that that really comes through. Actually, I think the first time, I think the first thing that I came across, I think it was was it hanging ornaments on the Jesse tree. I think. Yeah, that's in the first thing. section. And yeah. I thought, oh, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, am I supposed to be doing that? And and then um, 
And then I kept reading and there was all these different things. And I thought, yeah. oh, okay, this is just about, these are creative ways that one could yeah. mark this season. And that got me thinking about, okay, well, what are we going to do this Advent? Okay, um, that's good. You know? yeah, and I haven't, I haven't read it to my daughter yet, but I kind of, I, even when I was reading, I was thinking, I think this would be really good for her. Like she's seven, she'll be turning eight. She's, she could read the book on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and she would, I think she'd love it. Um, but it, yeah, it got me thinking, oh, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and this, the sense in the book is that the, the child in the book, it feels as though she knows what she's doing. Like mm-hmm. she's done all this before, Yeah. but there's also a, there's also, it seems kind of like there's a bit of a spark of discovery and joy in, in it at the same time. So I think that's, that's kind of what we were talking about <laughs> yeah. before, about the, the structure in the liturgical year. Yeah. She actually has done, this is her family tradition. Like the, this is what she's done for years mm-hmm. already. She's doing it again, but she's still discovering Yes, that's great. Um, if that comes through, that's oh, yeah. wonderful. I've achieved my aim. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know when I like when I sit down with kids in our worship center, and sometimes, um, you know, I'll bring out a story, and someone will say, "Oh, I know this one." <laughs> I right. say, of course, you know this one. Sometimes I'll say, "Oh, so I guess we don't have to celebrate Christmas this year." And then I'm met with consternation. <laughs> right. Of course, we have to celebrate Christmas. So I say, "Well, yeah. you know, you celebrate Christmas every year. This story." Yeah. You've heard it before, yes, but you're different now. So if you listen carefully, maybe you'll hear something yeah. new. Or a Christmas yeah. Eve. Well, let's read it. Let, let's read it different. Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been there, like, done that. Okay. We know about the manger and yeah. all of that yeah. stuff. We won't read that. And we don't need to sing Silent <laughs> Night and Joy. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. We'd, have a, we'd have a riot on our hands if we try to do those kinds of things. Um, but that's a good reminder, right? That's... Uh, that's good that we need this this repetition anyway. This will be our, our theme for today, maybe. Um, what uh, in, in all of this as well, like we're kind of talking about structure, but what about uh, the role of stories and imagination and creativity, discovery, all of that um, in spiritual formation, particularly with children? But the, I think all of this applies to adults too. Oh, for sure. It applies to adults. Um story, I I think, is one of the most profound ways we have not only of expressing our our own deepest questions and our own spiritual life, but also that's how we develop empathy. That's how we, um, that's how we connect with other people and their experiences. That's, um, I mean, we're all going through through life trying to make meaning of the things that happen to us, the bits and pieces that make up our particular stories. And there's something really profound about finding ways to connect with, with a, a bigger story. Um, yeah. And other, other forms of creative expression. I find, I mean, I love words. I always have, but the older I get, the more I'm drawn to, spiritual practices that either transcend words or or just just don't use them. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of, uh, well, contemplative, contemplative forms of prayer, a lot of drawing, um, mandalas, uh, prayer flags, you name it. I've um, sort of explored it. 
and um, it's very. Okay, what are what are prayer flags? What are prayer flags? Oh, I have to have I, a blog. I saw that, I have a blog, I saw post. You have a blog post, so we can <laughs> send people there. But maybe just tell us briefly what are, what what are they? Well, they're they're little flags on on strings. Um, they they actually come from uh, Tibetan Buddhism is is kind of their their origin, um, but they've been adapted for a whole host of different um, different traditions. And so you can you can paint them or sew them, but basically it's a matter of sitting down and kind of um, uh, thinking intentionally either about, for instance, when I made some, I was thinking about the gifts and talents that I have um, that I might want to find new ways of offering to the world. Or you might want to think about um, things that in your life that you need more of. Um, I sat down with the uh, passage from Galatians and thought, okay, I'm going to make a set for the fruits of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And as I choose colors and shapes and kind of put these things together, I'm going to make it a meditation on, um, on these different ways that, that we see evidence of the work of the spirit in, in our lives. Um, Of course it, transformed itself into something different but but the point is again um you know i'm kind of um drawn to things that take me beyond words and engage a different part of who i am whether it's the the color the shape it's very tactile you're i was using fabric um anyway then you so you make these flags and they represent whatever they need to represent you hang them up outside um and they become kind of a just a, a a visual expression of your prayer emanating emanating from you and being carried off on the breath of the wind and hmm. um yeah well that's kind of cool yeah um mentioning fruit of the spirit and mm-hmm. prayer practices it reminds me I, I think i might have mentioned this on a podcast previously but um we ran across uh um this uh, it's called the fruit juice of the spirit. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> no, um, I don't know but, it. Uh, so we, we did this, we've done this a couple of times at, at our church. We went, we did it this past uh, summer in worship. We had different um, prayer stations for a Sunday that we did on prayer. We didn't do a sermon mm-hmm. and people just kind of went around to each one, um, which we can do in the summer because there's less people. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But one of them is was the fruit juice of the spirit, and you basically get nine different kinds of fruit juice, and we put them in a uh, each one in a different jug, and then they're labeled with mm-hmm. a different like gen- gentleness, kindness, right. self control, and then people are to go there, and then you drink the from the jug that you think you you want to ask for more of, and okay. filled by that fruit. Um, so it's funny because, you know, we get parents bringing their, their kids over and they're saying, we think you, we think you really need to drink from self-control, <laughs> you know, yeah, see, that's what the children need, right. the child needs to say, which one do I yeah, think? Child, I so do you, <laughs> you know? um, I think you need to drink from patience, mom. Uh, you know, so, um, but yeah, it, that, but people love that one. And, and that's one of my favorites too. Like, I'm not a crafty kind of person. I'm probably not going to make prayer flags <laughs> but, um, and that's quite okay you can paint them too yeah yeah um that might be up my wife's alley and my daughter's alley like they love stuff uh like 
crafting kind of things. Yeah. And, um, and not, sorry, I'm interrupting. I was just no, going to, not everyone's going to connect with that, obviously. Right. But it's sort of a neat exercise to sit down and say, okay, so take gentleness. What color is gentleness? Yeah. Yeah. And so you sit there and you just meditate on it. And then before you know it, your thoughts, you know, your, your, <clears throat> your thoughts kind of carry you. Yeah. Um, to some places you might not otherwise have gone. Yeah. And it's funny too, like I'm a pretty practical, pragmatic kind of person. Mm -hmm. And like these things always sound really silly to me. (laughs) No, Um, I can see it sounds kind of airy-fairy. I can, you know, and like, that's also another reason I started this whole podcast was because I even thought like spirituality kind of sounds airy-fairy. But but the more I've tried different things mm-hmm. and then I realize, Oh, there's actually something going on here. Yes. Okay. So I, here's a question. But you, you have to one? engage, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And so kudos to you for being willing to do that. So I'll ask you a question then. Have you ever walked a labyrinth for instance? Oh yeah. No, you got to go listen to some of my back episodes on. Okay. On clearly I do then. Yeah. yeah so a uh, really good episode with Robin McCauley. We talk a bunch about labyrinths and she makes them and, um, She's a national staff in the United Church. So, um, yeah, uh, um, but I, but we laughed in that one because both her and I, and she, you know, uh, is, you know, trains people in how to use labyrinths now mm-hmm. as well. Um, but both her and I used to think labyrinths were ridiculous. And, <laughs> um, and oh, you know, then they forced us to walk a labyrinth when we were in seminary. And I thought, oh, I don't want to, I want to do this. Um, but I love, I love that now. And there's a labyrinth close by to our church. And, mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a walk. So I'll walk there. Sometimes I don't end up walking the labyrinth because basically the walk to it is essentially the prayer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I'm running out of time. I need to get back, back to work or, or well, it's all part of work, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I love those. That's thanks for bringing that up. I was just thinking about symbol and ritual because I am naturally very drawn to symbol and ritual. So, so I tend to, um, have a lot of it in in my own life and in my children's lives as well. Uh, physical space, for instance, is very important to me. I have, from the time my first child was very young, I had what what we call a seasonal table hmm. set up in one corner, and we were constantly changing its um, its coverings and what was sitting on it, hmm. based both on the seasons of the natural year, but also on the liturgical cycle. Hmm. So I've always got visual representations of that circle of the church year somewhere in our home hmm. I think that cool. that just really resonates with me it'll be interesting for me to see um what my children ultimately carry away or if they go oh mom and more, <laughs> more of her idiosyncrasies right well we're kind of slipping into another question i wanted to ask you about and that's kind of what does spirituality look like in your home and um and i'd love to hear what some of the challenges are and what some of the joys are as well Okay. Um, what does it look like? Well, like I say, um, it does have a very physical component to it. Um, I've already mentioned the seasonal table. I, I have, quite honestly, I've got a whole chimney cupboard full of little um, accoutrements that come out at different seasons of the year. So, for instance, for Advent, I have several Advent wreaths mm-hmm. um, because the the growing light and is is a significant symbol um i've i've got this actually it's amazing it's it works for both advent and lent it's this beautiful wooden spiral 
Uh, and then there's a hole in it, hole in it for each day during Advent, and there's a candle that moves around, um, and then also a little wooden figure of Mary on a donkey that also moves. So particularly when my children were very young, that always sat in the center of the table, and um, we we had a sort of crafted a ritual around meal times that used that. I have a Jesse tree. Um, that my my dad made the tree itself, and then I made all of these ornaments out of Fimo, you know, the polymer clay that you bake in the oven. Yeah. Um, so that's been part of the children's experience from the time they were just tiny. And do you want to tell us what a Jesse tree is? So that- oh, sorry, yeah. So so a Jesse tree is is basically a kind of a tree shape. It can actually be a branch. Mine is made of dowels, but the ornaments on it represent the ancestors of Jesus. Basically, as you're moving through Advent, you're hanging an ornament each day and telling stories that are carrying you um, really through the scriptures up until the birth of Jesus, and that's when the culminating ornament goes on. So it's a way of, um, I guess, of, of rooting Jesus in his own tradition do you say it's daily? Like it's a daily? Yeah, it's a daily okay. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for us, it is anyway. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like Advent calendar, but you're. But you're adding things on a tree to and you're putting things on it. Yeah. And I mean, Advent calendars vary so much too. Some of them have no, um, no specific religious content at all. And yeah, my, like I, I mentioned Cheryl, Cheryl started, my wife started making Christmas cards yesterday. She makes cards and then goes okay. to craft sales. So she started doing that and, and. Um, my daughter, Juliet said, you're making Christmas cards already. It's only September. And I said, well, I'm going to be interviewing and talking, talking to somebody about Advent today too. Um, and uh, so as soon as I said that, she said, oh, there's a new Lego friends Advent calendar. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's, it's going to be great. And I have to say, I mean, when my children were younger, we did a lot more crafty type things too. Like um, I used to make all of my, well, actually even before I had children, I made all of my own cards and they were often explicitly on an Advent theme. Hmm. Um, I was a bit of a, I don't know. I was a bit obsessed with Advent actually. And then I find that the, the awful thing that's happened over the past years as the kids have gotten older is that this time of year, which which I believe in my heart is supposed to be a time for stilling and slowing down, just is overtaken with frenzied activity, as I'm sure you've also experienced. Um, Talk about challenges. That's probably been the biggest challenge, is trying to do less. Um, So actually, when I was putting this book together um, and including some ideas for observances, I thought, oh gosh, I hope people don't read this as, you know, here's another list of stuff that you ought to be doing with your family during Advent, because that's the last thing that most of us need is more things to do. Um, so from my own, my own children and household, um, I really, uh, I, I like to use Advent as a time to, um, for instance, experiment with, with different prayer practices. Um, I don't know if you know Sybil Macbeth's book, Praying in Color, um, but that's been one that I've used a lot with my own children um, and also with the kids in my congregation and with adults as well. Um, 
just trying to carve out some, um, yeah, just, just some space to hear stories and listen to them. We've got a, quite a library of books. Um, it's hard, quite frankly, to find Advent books for kids. There's a billion things about Christmas, but Advent specifically is a little bit trickier. Um, but I do or, have... Or the Advent, even things that'll say Advent on them actually aren't really Advent yeah, that's right. They're really it's Advent, and it's really starting with like they'll start with the Annunciation. Yeah, right. It'll start with okay, the angel visits Mary, and there we and, go. And that's Advent. And right. Now, <laughs> and now we're going to move on to Christmas on page two. Page two mm-hmm. fifteen is going to be Christmas. Or there's activity books, which are great. I mean, mm-hmm. collections of, th- but they're not they're not explicitly connected to or <clears throat> excuse me or rooted in the biblical story or stories maybe so, that's because as you found it's really challenging to write yeah, it is. Book. It is. it's very challenging yeah yeah i was just picturing your advent cards um having a card on an advent theme because one of the one of the themes uh, uh, that, that comes up in advent is sort of uh this the um you know the the, the second advent or the second coming of, of christ <laughs> and uh, the theme of judgment so, <laughs> You know, I wonder what you've put as the as the little <laughs> greeting on the card. You know, no, I've, I've I'm sure it was maybe more that. uplifting than that. But I've left that speculation alone. In fact, the the year I, I really went for Advent, I, I it was a pass, and it looked like it was running through the desert. So I just oh. you know, I, I borrowed borrowed a phrase from Isaiah, and I had this dancing figure going along the path, and I thought, oh, that looks like a an exile returning joyfully and but then other years like when my when my son was little he was insistent that we uh, use a cow stamp so we our our advent cards are all these red and blue cows <laughs> with no explanation but all right well, that's kind of interesting maybe that, does that connect to um you know pharaoh's dreams and uh i don't know nice try matt but i don't, I don't know I don't think that has anything to do with Advent. No, but we do All have right. a lot of, I mean, we have a lot of, um, I, I'm a capital I introvert and kind of a natural contemplative. So a lot of our spiritual practices kind of come from my own interest, but I do try to keep in mind both the inward and the outward movements that I think have to be kept in balance. So, Sure. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're gonna... Oh, I know. I was just going to um, say that one of the, th- one of the little, um, ideas that's in the book was inspired by my neighbors actually and it was it was one year during advent and it it was we were starting to get to that point where things were just crazy busy and I was frustrated because I wasn't observing the season the way I felt I should and anyway one night there was this knock on the door and it was my neighbors from down the road I didn't really even know all that well and they were quite literally pulling a wagon that was full of jars and it had all these little cookies in it. And they were just going down the street, delivering a jar to, to each person on the street. Um, and it brought me to tears. I was just so moved that they had as a family taken the time to do this for all of us. Um, and I've, and they do it every year. Hmm. It wasn't a one-off thing. Um, and I felt, uh, yeah, I felt very moved and inspired by that. Yeah, that's really cool. And that is in the book? It is in the book. Yep. That's really cool. I'll have to tell them that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably, maybe. 
take one over. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I should. Yeah. Uh, is there anything in your in your personal sp- spiritual practice um, that you would want to share that you that that's important to you? That's not necessarily family or or maybe something that you do that connects you to God. Uh, well, I've talked a little bit about some things, particularly the the prayer forms that go beyond words. I do love to do things with my hands, things that are creative. Um, walking is really important to me. I, I try to walk just about every morning, and I consider that a, a form of meditation for me. Um, I think it's Augustine who has that phrase, it is solved by walking. Um, that's when I, you know, kind of seek discernment and work through questions that I've been struggling with, or um, sometimes just th- that's also my creative time. Um, and I'm not sure what it is about engaging my body in that way, but it sort of frees freeze my mind and talk about repetition. I walk the same route all the time, so I don't have to make any choices about where to go. And I think that does free my mind to, um, yeah, to become, um, just more, more receptive and more aware of the divine presence and where it might be prompting me to go. That's really important to me as well. Um, last, last year I was doing, uh, I did a kind of a short course on C.S. Lewis and I got mm-hmm. a few of his books on audiobook mm-hmm. and then, um, and then would walk to uh, the library, which is about an hour and a half walk. Wow. Our place. And then you have to come and, back. Um, yeah. Uh, I was on sabbatical, so I had, okay. uh, I had the time to do it. Uh, so I, and I would, I would listen and, and one of them, which book was it now? The one that's maybe more autobiographical, I think. Surprised Surprised by by Joy? Yeah. Yeah. And part of that was talking about how uh, C.S. Lewis did an hour walk to work every day. Mm. So every day he would walk an hour to work, same route, and then an hour back. He walked and he didn't live like right near the universe. He kind of lived off. Um, and, uh, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And it talked, talked about the same thing that that was kind of the time for reflection and creative thinking. And I mean, how, you know, people would ask him how he managed to, he used to answer something like 60 to hundred letters a day or something like oh that. Um, how do you do that? And also write all of these books and also teach and, teach, also, yeah. um, and, and, and apparently fit in two hours of walking every day. But I think it was the walking actually that helped him be able to have the creative output as well. I can, I can understand that. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I kind of liked that I was walking and listening to that. And then yes. usually, usually one way I would listen to audiobooks, and then the other would be kind of a combination of music and then just silence mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the way back. So, yeah, I found that really life-giving. It's, it can be harder to find time for the long walks but i will try to get a a short walk in most days yeah i'm pretty uh um i'm i'm pretty zealous about guarding that time in fact i've been inhospitable i've had people say to me (laughs) oh you know can i come with you and i'm like honestly i i need this time by myself i'm not trying to be unfriendly (laughs) that's really good uh i wanted to ask too about um other other seasons in the year so we've kind of talked about 
Advent lots and you have right. this book about Lent and Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, are there plans for anything else that uh, other books that maybe other seasons don't really get a lot of, uh, or the other times of year, like ordinary time don't really yeah. necessarily get to a big play, like the two big ones, but. Poor ordinary time. It even has a yeah. dull name. So I tend to call it the growing time when I'm oh, talking to children. Cause yeah, I like it better. It's like the seeds we've planted throughout the rest of the year. This is their time to, to sprout. Um, uh, there's no concrete plans. I haven't actually been working on anything, but it, it's percolating. I mean, I've certainly asked myself the question. Um, now, my my publisher, Paraclete Press, who brought out both Make Room and Look, uh, recently published a, another book on Pentecost. So, um, mm. I suspect that there's probably not a not an opening there. But mm. um, yeah, I need to give that more thought. I should also I'm, I'm self promoting here, but I have another book coming out, which uh, from Woodlake Books, which is. Um, read, wonder, listen, a collection of um, Bible stories, a children's mm-hmm. Bible. Um, that's been a huge project for me. So that was almost full-time writing for nine months. Um, so, yeah. So was that, I, I just noticed that this morning, and I should have asked you about that because I just went on your website and kind of saw that mm-hmm. that's coming. I just didn't know what stage it was at. But do, do, do you have it? Is there a release date for it or? I don't have a firm release date. Okay. Uh, the, the, the hope is that it will be out by Advent, so in time for Christmas. It's this oh, fall. Great. Wow. Um, and in fact, um, well, I'll uh, give you any information about my um, um, author Facebook page and so on. Sure. Um, I'm going to be, uh, when the publisher has them ready, they're going to be sending out some sample stories through their newsletter. Okay. So cool. people will get a, a little taste of it and a glimpse of the artwork and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So what are the, what are the story like, is it a full, like going from Genesis to Revelation thing? Yes, or is it, it, it is okay. going from Genesis one all the way. Yep. Okay. Obviously I've had, I mean, I'm, there are, there are limits in terms of page numbers and the, the physical realities of the book. So I had to sure. make a lot of decisions, but, right. but no, it's, um, it's subtitled stories from the Bible for young readers, but it, uh, Although the stories stand alone, they're discreet, there is also very much a flow from the start to the finish. Okay. Do you know, yep. the, do you have, do you know the length? Like, is it? Like the, the length of like the whole how, book? How many pages it is? Oh, uh, like right. 320, something like that. Wow. Okay. So yeah, this is a lot of writing. Yeah. Yep. A hundred I think 105 stories. And I, when I, <laughs> when I signed the contract, I, I sat down and did the math thought, okay, how many do I have to write per week? And then I was scared. Right. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I, it was just, it was an amazing project. I loved working on it. Um, but yes, a lot of writing. Yeah, that's, that's great. And so what are the, what are the ages? Uh, what's the best age for the, the reading? I know it's for young readers, but. Yeah, young readers um, is being interpreted as, again, about seven to 10. Okay. Um, but of course, I mean, the individual stories are fairly short, so they tend to range between maybe 600 to 800 words. Um, so would this be like classified as a, as a children's Bible? Yeah, this is a children's Bible. Okay. Because, yep. I, I mean, we're, we, we had a couple that we were using and weren't really thrilled with them. 
and our daughter's like, she's seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and we're finding like, she's just, she's not quite there for, for really adult translations or for like middle, middle grade kind of translations, mm-hmm. like an NRIV or the NIRV reader's version or, even like good news translations or things like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, we're looking for it, that intermediate space. I find yeah. is hard to find really good, really good Bibles. <laughs> well, this definitely is aimed at the intermediate space. It's not, it's not a, a kind of introductory Bible for two, three, four year olds by any stretch of the imagination. Right. It's, uh, um, Yeah. Aimed, aimed at an older group. Um, I don't think that, like, I think personally that it could be useful for adults as well, um, including preachers, I might say, because um, like everything I do, I try to create, I, I try to create that space mm-hmm. for wondering and um, for wondering and engagement with the stories. So there are times when I'm rubbing against the grain a little bit. And I just think that it can be helpful for anybody to look at what are, for some of us, very familiar stories from a slightly different angle. That's great. That's really yeah. exciting. Thanks for self-promoting. Okay. <laughs> and telling me <laughs> about that and telling our that. listeners. Because I think there's people out there who are going to want to I'd take a look at that one for sure, oh, uh, as well as the as well as the Advent and Lent books, and you've got other ones too. But I do. Um, well, maybe where can people find you on online or your books online? What's the best thing to best place to go? Okay, well, so f- for more information about the books themselves, you can go to my website, which is www.lauraallery.ca. Um, for purchasing them, that can either be done through the publishers, um, Woodlake Books. Um, Paraclete Press, and then I have one with another publisher called Skinner House. Um, but again, there are links to that on my website. I also have uh, Laura Allery author page on Facebook, and there are some. Um, uh, I was saying to you earlier, Matt, that my social media skills are limited, but I, I did manage to set up a store on my Facebook page with little links to um, to Amazon. So. Wow, that, that's another that's another route. There you go. Um, and yeah, most of the books are available th- um, on order, if not through the publisher through Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. So if people want to know more, I mean, go to your website is probably the, the yeah that's the, the prime place, place for all the information. Yep. And uh, and then I noticed there's some there's some news there, and you've got some links to some articles you've written as well. Yeah, different blog posts, and yeah. if people just want to get a sense of who I am and the kind of things I write. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, it has been really fantastic to talk to you, Laura. Thanks so much for being on today. Well, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for making room for me. (laughs) All right, take care. Okay. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.